want to thank all those by way of television this morning for um, your presence. We be small in numbers, but we're great in quality, and we know that you appreciate us being a part of your worship service, and we appreciate you being a part of our worship service, even though you're not here. You're tuning in by way of television or radio or other means of communication. So again, we thank you for your prayers. We thank you for the tremendous pouring of support that you have. We, we struggle financially. We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future, the Lord Jesus Christ. Member of our congregation, we had a celebration of life yesterday. I was reminded of the fact of one of the things that Reverend Walder told me that when he turned 60, when he turned 60, he didn't really like to have any funerals on a Saturday before he preached because he was always a little bit tired. I'm, I'm appreciating the fact of maybe what he had many, many years ago. But we're energized. We're energized because though Joyce Peters is absent from the body, she's present with the Lord. And as I go over the congregation, each and every Sunday, I look at those pews that were inhabited by members of our congregation over the last 26 years or so and are absent from the body but they're present with the Lord. I continue to go on. I continue to go on like you continue to worship. Like David said, David worshipped and he pleaded with God to spare the, the death of his child. His child, but the child died. And when the child died, they were really worried because he went off to the church and he started celebrating and dancing the Lord. And he said, you know, um, God is a good God. And we're going to continue to worship God in spite of the circumstances that may may happen. Our first hymn is in memory of Joyce Peters. Joyce Peters and O Spirit of the Living God. Purple hymn number one, 539, 539. In memory of Joyce Peters, O Spirit of the Living God. Some of you may have been seated for a while. You may want to stand as we turn to purple hymnals number 539, 539 purple hymnals. Singing out for Joyce. She's singing to the Lord in heaven.
Amen. Thank you. And then the family wanted to truly thank you for your presence yesterday and continued prayer support for the Joyce Peters family. So let us turn to our praise song, Shine, Jesus Shine, Red Praise, number 76, please.
shine, Jesus shine. May Jesus shine in your life, it's shine in the life of Joyce Peters and all of our beloved ones that have preceded us in death. Father, as we come this morning, we have many prayers of petition and intercession. We thank you for the spirit of God that was present yesterday on the PAC Church with Joyce Peters' celebration. We thank you for that glorious occasion. But we grieve this morning, we grieve as we think about that space that Joyce occupied is, is empty today, as the Bible reminds us that we grieve but for those that are absent from the body but present with the Lord. We grieve, but our grief is of our own being. And Jesus says, grieve not. We grieve, but we grieve not as those who have no hope for resurrection. And we pray, Father, that your spirit would continue to move in our midst. We thank you for blessing and restoring our sound system. We pray, Father, that on the airways by television and radio and other means of communication, that they would share our grief as we celebrate that life of Joyce Peters. And we know that Joyce would want each and every one of us to go on worshiping. And she never really felt closer to the Lord than when she was in church and the community of believers that supported her. If anyone would have had just rationale and, and reasoning for prayer and justification for staying home, it would have been her on oxygen and for faithfulness in coming to church. And I, I miss that faithfulness. As I, as I look out over the empty pews and am solemnly aware of those who occupied those pews. And the great messages that, of encouragement that they had for me. The many gifts that Joyce gave me and Nona and Mike and expressions of hope and support for the church and support for this community of faith. Even in my own life when we had a miscarriage and many clergy stepped forward and lay people said, no, we can take the Sundays, a few Sundays, to experience your grief. Or when my father died, people said, no, take a Sunday off or two. But I said, no, I need to return to the church. I need to return to worship. I need to celebrate. We thank you for that affirmation of faith. And for those by way of television and radio and the many that have mentioned to me the encouragement that we bring to them, the, the countless names and faces of those who experience grief and loss of income and jobs and marital strife and difficulty and wayward prodigal children and they are encouraged by our ministry by television and radio and I thank God for those staff that make it possible for us to to continue to worship. We pray for J-Hop, we pray for our new addition Shortly here in a few weeks, Assembly of Faith, former substance doctrine, we pray, Father, that the mutuality and the commonality and worship and the change in times will, will accommodate, that this 
church would be truly a church center, a, a spiritual center of, of love and grace and cooperation with Jehob, Twin Cities House of Prayer and, and the gathering. We pray for the gathering as they next Sunday worship in an alternate time just to get accustomed to the church and then they take occupancy the first of Sunday in July and the contract at least begins. We, we pray, Father, that we come against any principality of power or force that would interfere with God's work, God's plan of worship. We pray for a hedge of protection around the members of our congregation, around J-Hop and the tremendous conditions and beliefs that they stand for and adhere to scripture and tradition, reason, and experience. That rather than allowing culture to change Christ, that they are utilizing the forces of Christ to change culture. Help us not to be bent on servicing the, the world by the worldly standards, but by Christian standards, by godliness. And even though Facebook and other means try to shut us down and have shut us down temporarily, we, we thank you, Father, that your love, your grace, your peace, your word, your everlasting and immortality will never be shut down from us. We pray for those who come against us. We pray that you would confuse them. We thank you for our local television and radio stations, that they would not give in, that they would stand forth for the principles of Christianity. And we thank you for various denominations that take biblical standards seriously. Raise up, raise up, O oh Lord, the spirit of the living God. May we shout to the ends of the world, end of the earth, the words of life, that my life, that the lives of those that are truly be determined and trust in the Lord. May we shine the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience, long-suffering and meekness and gentleness and kindness. May we never grow weary, may we never tire. May we continue in your spirit as you've taught us to pray and sing together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you're joining us by way of television or radio and you don't have access to the bulletin, our scripture reading is taken from John, the 14th chapter, verses 12 through 17. It talks about, you know, God realizing our weaknesses that we experience and that he knows that his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is truly the way. And he's going to give us the power. He's going to empower us with the Holy Spirit. Reading now from God's holy word, John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verses 12 
to 17. 12 to 17, and Mike, you might want to come. John chapter 14, 12 to 17. Verily, verily, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the work that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. God promises us in our weaknesses the promise of the Holy Spirit. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you an, another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and, be, and he will be in you. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word today. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. I, I did from verse 8 to 17 in John 14. A scene was set on Jesus last night here on earth. He not, only, he not only eats with the disciples, but he washed their feet. Now that's the job of a very low servant, the lowest servant, and gave them one final commandment. During the course of and after the meal, he ensured the disciples knew three things. Number one, he's going back to his father. He's going to leave them. Number two, they are his followers, and they will still be with him. And finally, number three, he's leaving but not entirely. He wasn't just packing up and moving out. He was going to endure the, the Holy Spirit on them. And they would, the Spirit will help them fill in the gaps that his absence would otherwise create. The, the disciples had an obvious problem with his leaving. They asked him where he was going. They followed him. When they asked him where, what the way was where he was going, he answered, he could not follow them, but he was not only the way, but also the true and the life. Philip asked if he can see the Father, and Jesus answers, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and you've heard me, you've heard the Father. In the end, the disciples must realize that God sent one advocate, Jesus, to them, and Jesus is now leaving another advocate with them, the Holy Spirit. And he will help them carry out the Lord's work in the Lord's physical absence. This is the first time when God said he was leaving that he used the word parakletos to describe the Holy Spirit. He had called them pneuma, which simply means spirit. But this word marked a significant shift. The literal meaning of the word pneuma is someone called in to help in the time of need. His reference to Father God himself emphasized the relationship that he had with God. They were, of course, one. This is the meat of our Christian faith. If you've met Jesus, you've also met God. Lord, help us portray this kind of relationship with and for the sake, to and for the sake of others. 
When they see and hear us, let them see and hear the words and actions of God and the Lord Jesus. A note here on when Jesus said his followers would do greater works than he. Now those words don't refer to the quantity of works that's to be done after his passing. That, no, that had nothing to do with the quality of it. it. had to do with the quantity. When he said they will do greater works than him, than he, he did, they say they'll do many more. Jesus was using purposefully to make a point that he will be there to spoil them spiritually if they and when they requested it. I really enjoy a writer's comment on the Bible about John's book in particular, that John's book domesticated God. In other words, God had, had previously been an unseen and unknown force to everybody that followed God. But Jesus came down as a human being and gave God not, not only the ability to be known, but the ability to follow and copy. After all, God isn't just some distant commander that barks orders to us to follow. He was a person just as we are now. As you're sitting there watching me, watching your TV or listening to radio, that's what God was. He came down to earth as a human being. He needed to eat. He needed to work for money. He showed us all that. But best of all, he showed us how to live. What is right? Not just what's good, not just what's simple, but what is right? We should follow the Lord's guidance on what the right thing to do is in our life circumstances. And God showed what it's like to have to earn your, your keep. Jesus, he wasn't just some faceless God you prayed to and hoped for the results. Jesus actually went to work. He nailed, pounded nails, and he built stuff. He was a carpenter. This is an example for us to show that we, we need to earn our keep too. However it is, whether it's pounding nails, looking at a computer screen, or doing something for other people, that's how we are to live, by copying Jesus. Jesus made God a real person and showed that it's okay to struggle. He knows, God knows that Jesus had struggles to the nth degree. And he not only understands what it's like to be human, but Jesus showed us the ultimate way to live. And when we pass from this life, to have eternal life with him in heaven. Regarding verse 25 and 26, these verses summarize the reason Jesus came down to earth from up high to us. He wanted to grant us the privilege of having the Holy Spirit, the holy privilege, I should say, of having this Holy Spirit within us that not only helps to remind us to do the right thing, but also to say the right thing. When we stray away from God, the Spirit is one, tap on our shoulder, going, 
uh, maybe this isn't the best thing to do. The Spirit will not only teach us, them and us, the lessons the Lord wanted to teach them or us, but he also assists us in remembering the words and actions of the Jesus Christ that we are to copy. Thank you. Thank you, and um, I have an obituary card. Um, I don't believe you were here yesterday. You want to look at that and maybe um, kind of circulate? Do we have more of the Joyce Peters obituary cards, Mike, that are here? Okay. I think Chris may have grabbed like a half a dozen of her soul. So we'll, if you would like to have a card, the next best thing to not being here. Nona or Mike, did you want to share anything today, either now or later? Would you like me to read who was Joyce Peters, Nona? Maybe we can kind of circulate this too. This is a, much of this was not new to me, but a number of people came to me. They really appreciated sharing that. By way of television or radio, you want to know more of our services. We do funerals, we do weddings, we thank you for your presence and certainly your prayers. And this is a passage of scripture that we kind of struggle with and thankful and grateful for the, the eagle that uh, Joyce bequeathed to me and Nona gave me and I grew up in Eagle Bend, and eagles were real. The Sarf family were the first settlers in Eagle Bend. And they had a farm right near the Eagle River there, Eagle Bend. And they seen an eagle around the bend, and, and they said Eagle Bend. And that name stuck. And there's a, a plaque there that has a similar eagle, similar to the United States Eagle, and I'm going to have that in the pulpit as a kind of reminder. I, I know the Peterson family gave me a Burns vest, and periodically I, I wear that around. You know, it's just kind of a reminder of those who had a great influence in my life and in the life of this church, and certainly in, in your life and my life. These are verses uh, of scripture that was read. They're an example, just an example of our Lord's tender consideration of your heart and my heart and of the weaknesses, the weaknesses of his disciples, and we all have weaknesses. Jesus saw them troubled. Jesus saw them faint-hearted at the prospect of being left alone in the world. Jesus cheers them by three promises. There's three promises. And they're very peculiarly suited to their circumstances and our circumstances. It's oftentimes said that a word that's spoken in season, how good it is. We first see in this passage a striking promise. It's a promise about the works that Christians, Christians may do. Our Lord says, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall they do also. And greater works than these shall, be, shall they do because I go into the power of the Father. It's kind of like the, the power of God was going to be released when the Holy Trinity resumed their positions in heaven. 
And when Jesus returned into that Holy Trinity on the day of Pentecost that was celebrated here just a few weeks ago, the power of God is released in your life. And we, we have that kernel. We have that seed that comes in our lives with the Holy Spirit. And as we exercise it and as we dwell, develop the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit grows in our lives. And the full, full meaning and measure of this promise is not to be sought only in the miracles which the apostles wrought after Christ left the world. Such a notion seems hardly borne out by facts. Greater works. Jesus was geographically restrained because of where he walked, and what he said, and the recipients of his message. But now we have the Holy Spirit. We read of no apostle walking on the water or, or raising a, a person four days dead like Lazarus. But what our Lord, what our Lord has in view seems to be a far greater, a far greater number of conversions, the, the far wider spread of the gospel which would take place under the ministry of the apostles than under his own geographical and physical presence. Jesus didn't have television. Jesus didn't have radio and Facebook and all the means of communication. I was even shut down because of my Memorial Day services because even as a chaplain, a military man, representing those who fought and died for the cause of Christ, to mix somewhat religion and politics and shut us down, my Facebook. But I, I haven't faltered. And this was a case when we, which we know from the Acts of the Apostles. And you can, after the book of Luke, Luke wrote the Acts of the Apostles. It's basically the works of the Apostles or what they did, what they did, the works of the Apostles, the Acts of the Apostles, that book. We read of no sermon preached by Christ in his literal presence, his geographical flesh presence, under which 3,000 were converted in one day, as when his spirit came down in the upper room and conversion, as it were, on the day of Pentecost. In short, greater works mean more conversions. What's the most important miracle of all? It's a conversion. A person that's headed in one direction and repents and turns and goes in the direction of God. There's no greater work possible than the conversion of a soul conversion of a soul that's why i think i've made it my passion my ministry for over 50 years ask people if they're a committed christian if they're born again and if i get an answer like i think so i feel so i hope so i i ask them well how can you know so let's drive that spike down and say let's rededicate or dedicate or rededicate our lives to christ to make sure that we are a know-so Christian, not a think-so or feel-so or hope-so. Let us admire the condescension, the lowering of our master and allowing to the ministry of his weak servants more, more success than to his own. More successful shall you and I be. He can help forward his cause on earth quite as much by sitting at the right hand of the Father 
and sending forth the Holy Ghost the Pente- on Pentecost, the indwellingness of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives. More so can we do the miracles of God than Jesus did as he walked to and fro upon the world, the earth. Let us believe that there is nothing too hard or too great for believers to do so long as they, as the Lord intercedes for them in heaven. We have an advocate, that Holy Spirit. Our Lord is working with us and for us, though we cannot see him. It was not so much the sword of Joshua in the Old Testament that defeated the Amalekites as the intercession of Moses on the hill and the holding up of his arms and praising the Lord and being a conduit for victory in the name of the Lord. We have secondly in this passage a a striking promise about the things that Christians, you and I, the things that you and I may get by prayer, that the key, the access to God and his works in our lives, our, our Lord says, Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. These words are a direct encouragement to the simple yet great duty of praying. Everyone who kneels daily before God and and from his heart, from his heart, from their heart, says in their prayers, has a right to take comfort in these words. And as much as I know the Peter's family, Wood's family, they're grieving and they feel an empty heart, a void in their lives, how much more would it have been increased without the community of support, the lovingness of brothers and sisters in Christ that encouraged Joyce during her life and encouraged them even in the midst of her death and transition from this life to the next. That's what the church is. The paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the comforter. Of course, it is taken for granted that the things we ask for are are for our soul's goods and not mere temporal benefits. Anything and whatsoever is is not to include wealth and money and worldly prosperity, although they are at times an overflow. These things are not always always good for us, and our Lord loves us too well to let us have them. I've had many a couple that I've married that have made commitments to one another and commitments to church who have, God has prospered them, and in their prosperity they've got boats and lakeshore property and other means and and it's kept them away from church on Sundays and on weekends and they would say pastor I'll be there next Sunday and when the next Sunday came they weren't there and I'd inquire on where they were at and they said oh I can worship God on the end of my dock and in my boat and it wasn't much later they would come to me and they would say We're broken up. All these material things that we've gained mean little to us because our family is is going in different directions now. How is it that many, many true Christians have so little? 
How is it that they go halting and, and mourning on the way to heaven and, and they enjoy so little peace and show so little strength in Christ's service? The answer is simple and plain. They have not because they ask not. There's power in the blood. There's power in the community of faith that we gather together. The Bible says, forsake ye not the assembling of one another together as you say, see the hour coming, and the hour of destruction, the hour of Satan's inevitable attacks upon our defeats in our marriage and our harmony within our home, raising our children, loving our spouses and our children. The answer is simple. They have not because they ask not. They have little because they ask little. They are no better than they, they are because they do not ask their Lord to make them better. Our languid, our languid desires are the reasons of our languid performances. We are not straightened in our Lord, but in ourselves. Happy are they, they who never forget the words of the psalmist is open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. The one that does much for Christ and leaves the mark in the world will always prove to be one who prays much, who prays much. You've heard me say it. Many of the evangelists always had at least 70 people. I learned at the Anaheim, Anaheim Billy Graham conference that Billy Graham always required a minimum of 70 praying, dedicated prayer warriors in the basements of area churches, 70, praying for the success of his crusade, the success of his ministry. He always said that the power in the pulpit was the fire in the furnace of the churches, the basements of the churches. We have lastly in this passage a very striking promise about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. The Lord says, I will pray the Father, and the Father will give you another comforter. Comforter. How you and I, and not only the Woods family, the Peter's family, many families are related to Joyce. We need that comforter. We need that comforter to go on. If the tables had been turned, it was you or I, and Joyce was here this Sunday, Joyce would say, go on, go on, go on. I will pray the Father, and the Father will give you another comforter, even the spirit of truth. We have so much spirits going on in the world today that are spirits of error and chaos and confusion. People that want to be as members of a certain church, but they don't follow the practices of those church. This is the first time that the Holy Ghost is mentioned as Christ's special gift to his people. Of course, we're not to suppose that he did not dwell in the hearts of the Old Testament saints, but he was, the Holy Spirit was given with a peculiar influence and, and power to believers when the New Testament dispensation came in and this is a special promise of the passage that's before us. 
We shall find it useful, therefore, to observe closely and alertly aware of the things that are here and said about him. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, is spoken of as a person. Just as a person either seated to your left or your right, or in front of you or behind you, the Holy Spirit is as a person. To apply the language before us to a mere influence or inward feeling is an unreasonable strain of words. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, is, is called the Spirit of Truth. It is this special office to apply truth to the hearts of Christians, to guide them into all truth and to sanctify them. And last Sunday, we, we talked about sanctification. We learned that sanctification is another synonymous name for holiness, going on to holiness. John Wesley was oftentimes criticized because of his position on sanctification and reaching perfection. And it wasn't necessarily a state, a level of continuous perfection, but there are moments when we feel that it's only God that's making us see and, and feel the way we feel. And the Holy Ghost is said to be the one whom the world cannot receive. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit and does not know the Holy Spirit, does not know the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit operations are in the strangest, in the strongest sense, foolishness. Foolishness to the natural person. To the natural person. The inward feelings of conviction, the inward feelings of repentance, the inward feelings of faith, inward feelings of hope, inward feelings of fear and, and love, which the Holy Spirit produces, are precisely that part of religion which the world cannot understand. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, is, is, is said to dwell, dwell in believers and to be known of them. They know the feelings that he creates and the fruits that the Holy Spirit produces, though they may not be able to explain them or see at first whence they come, but they all are what they are, new persons in Christ, new creatures in Christ, light and salt to the earth compared to the worldly by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost. Can you imagine when second coming of Christ comes and Christian believers are taken out of the world and the chaos that occurs when righteousness and sanctification, the holiness of the behaviors of people vanish in the explanation that the world will come to Oh, those religious fanatics, thank God they're gone. They must have went in some kind of spaceship. They were aliens to the world in the first place. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is given to the church of the elect. You and I are called elect. We are called to be that remnant, that remnant of believers that, that hangs in there to the end, to abide with them until Christ comes the second time. The Holy Spirit is meant to supply all the needs of the believers and to fill up all that is wanting while Christ's visible presence is removed. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is sent to abide with and to help them until Christ returns. 
And there are truths. There are truths of vast importance. Let us take care that we grasp them firmly and, and never let them go next to the whole truth about Christ. It concerns our safety and, and our peace to see the whole truth, nothing but the truth about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost. Any doctrine about the church or the ministry or doctrines of the sacraments which obscures the Spirit's inward work, the work of the Spirit, or turns it into a mere formalism, is not to be avoided as is to be avoided as a deadly error. Let us never rest till we feel and, and know that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, I conclude on that. If any person has not the Spirit of Christ, they have none of the life. Father, this morning as we verily, verily works shall we do also. In spite of our weaknesses, O oh Lord, in spite of the bitterness and the voids and the loss of loved ones that have finished the course faithful, that hear those words from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, well done, thou faithful and true servant of mine. And we look forward to that commendation ourselves. We pray, O oh Lord, that as we acknowledge our sinfulness and thou holiness, that we get rid of any garbage in our life that causes a disassociation with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We don't want to be disaffiliated from Spirit of God, from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that every head bowed and every eye closed. May we close in prayer. And may that prayer move from our head to our heart, to our legs, our actions. Dear Jesus, we reach out to you, O Lord. As you reach to us, O Lord, in spite of our weaknesses, we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. Forgive our sins, O Lord. Come into our hearts and life. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Sanctify us with your love for holiness and obedience is a mark of your spirit. In Jesus' name, as the ushers come forward this morning, if you'd be so kind, people have been asked, have asked me by way of television and radio, you know, how can we contribute? Well, just send in, send in your gifts, you know. We need wisdom and discernment in the, the days that we're living in, we're one of very few television programs anymore, the only Methodist church I know of. And it's not that we hang any credibility in the Methodist church because we are probably parting ways in some ways with the liberal end, the woke end, and the woke is pretty prevalent nowadays, wokeness, liberalism, although it's in decline, it's in decline now on the West Coast and whatever is on the West Coast kind of ends up on the east or mid-central, but thank God that people are being alerted and waking up to the fact that God is still on his throne. Let us turn to our offertory prayer and let us pray together. God of wind and fire, breathe your Holy Spirit over us again this day. Help us to better hear one another and untangle the differences we have allowed to divide us. 
May your spirit give us the power to be the church you had hoped we would be. One body, one <coughs> people, seeking to build your beloved community of justice, mercy, and hope. As we bring our tithes and offering to you this day, set us on fire once again. Fill us with your power in Christ, we pray. Amen. And our offertory hymn is dedicated in memory of the shooting victims of Rob Elementary Body, Texas. Because he lives, purple hymnals. Because he lives, purple, number 364, please.
He lives. I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is gone because I know oh, he holds a They called him Jesus. And how sweet it is to hold a newborn baby. And as I see Joy's baby, our grandbaby, waving at me during the entire service, I sense the, the pain that death brings to certain families. And then as death gives way to victory, we'll see the lights of glory and, and we know that God reigns and God is still on the throne. May your spirit go with us, those by way of television and radio and other means of communication as we outreach. May that voice speak to us across creation, the, the, the flowers and the trees sing of your majesty and the stars of the night speak of how much we still don't know. We offer our gift to you as we speak our words of gratitude. Help us to hear your voice anew. Give us ears to hear, faith to believe, and determination to truly listen to how you would send us into a hurting world. In Christ we pray, amen. <laughs> 